what's happening, y'all? We back in the building, cultivated ignorance with an extra special guest tonight, man. Um, it's your boy Mike. As you can see, my boy Will ain't here today, y'all. He ain't here today. He's sick, he's sick, but I got somebody even better than Will. We got the wonderful sexpert Tayomi in the building. How you doing, Tayomi? I am wonderful. How are you on this fine Thursday? I'm wonderful, man. I'm wonderful. I gotta shake my homeboy because he will always shake me at the beginning of every show. But we got some mad love, mad, mad love out the well. He's not doing too well. He's sick. He ain't got the COVID. He COVID negative, y'all. Don't freak out. He's still sticking ahead, but he's hanging in there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Unfortunately, he's gonna miss out on this episode. Um, dealing with some things. Y'all please send love and prayers his way. But um, I can't help but be excited. And Will was excited, man. Will wanted me to go ahead and still do this show because we got this, like I said, amazing, amazing guest tonight. Um, we're gonna be talking about love, intimacy, entanglements, um, a little bit about marriage, all these things. I'm yes. so hyped now, you don't understand. I've been following Tayomi. I don't know anybody who hasn't been following you for years now. Uh, since when Glamour Article first started, I believe back in 2011, was it? Yep, yep. I felt like the goat, but then I also felt like it's just the beginning. I swear, even though it's going on nine years, um, just yeah. coming coming into, it's like, Glamorotic of the last nine years was a bud, and now we're starting to blossom and turn into like a full garden. So that is so, and I want to get into like how you just maintain, you know, focus and direction when things seem like they're not probably not coming together as fast as you would like them to. I'm gonna get into that like real quickly, but real quick, I got a church announcement for y'all. Church announcement for y'all. I ain't done church announcements in a minute, but church announcements. Where I kind of shout out the events going on in Columbia that we got going on, and this weekend. You might want to fly out for this. I know, you, I know you got the way. We got Afrobeats and Poetry going on this Saturday because it's oh, going to be. That looks like fun. Wow. And the, the advanced tickets is already sold out. I'm sorry. But we got a few more tickets that we're going to be selling at the door for only $10. Just oh, $10. that's lit. And um, it's going to be poetry. It's going to be, I've been waiting to do an Afrobeats um, show forever. Um, time, I'm sure you love Afrobeats, right? Oh, yes. Like ever since coming back from Nigeria, I'm Afro Afrobeats crazy. Oh. Like, you got to go to the heart and soul of it all. Oh yeah, I went to the heart of it. <laughs> That's beautiful. This is gonna be dope. Um, as you can see, going down at the Golden. Uh, shout out to the Golden. We've been doing a series of events. Um, at the beginning of July, uh, we started off with the comedy and hip hop show. Y'all came out for that and show love. Then we followed it up with the grown and sexy show. Y'all followed y'all show love for that. So now we got the Afrobeats poetry. Um, it's gonna be some dancing. It's gonna be some contests. It's gonna be food specials. And of course, good music and i might add a little spice of hip-hop because y'all know i gotta put, incorporate hip-hop in everything i do yes yes so, yes man this saturday july 25th 8 p.m like i said advanced tickets are sold out but you can meet me at the door we got a few um door tickets left only ten dollars come through 110 columbia northeast drive suite one columbia south carolina 29223 and uh yeah it's gonna be a beautiful beautiful time so tayon Yes. You don't put yourself on mute. You don't. You don't one guest that's put yourself on mute while I was doing the church announcement. Everybody else be doing stuff in the background. Fixing oh yeah, dishes. no. I've I've been on Zoom for over five years, so I'm not a novice at this thing. Like everybody's just gotten up on the platform. I've been here. Zoom <laughs> <laughs> before was popping because I, I, I ain't never heard of Zoom before the pandemic hit. So yeah, ahead those, of the game. Yes, dude. For the two people, maybe. In the chat, that would be maybe new to you that somehow don't know you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Glamorotica one on one, and why it's such a sexy and necessary platform um, for all things love and sex, and on the type of services your brand offers? 
Yes, so my name is Tayomi. I go by Glamazon Tayomi online, and I'm a sexual, sexual health blogger. I am a pleasure coach and a certified sexologist and authentic Tantra practitioner. I started my blog site, glamorotica101.com, in September 2011. And I started it because uh, my dad actually encouraged me to use my natural gift for writing. Shout out to dad. Yeah, my, my dad is dope. Um, and I started out my whole career as a model and studying fashion and like things were going well. I was also writing for a music blog in Chicago, hip hop blog, doing album reviews, live show reviews, interviewing celebrities on camera and stuff like that. Um, but I just felt like I should be doing something of like even deeper substance. And so when I, when I decided to start my own blog, that was really tailored towards something more substantial. It was like, well, what can I talk about every day and not get tired of? And I was like, oh, sex. I know a lot about sex. And so I decided to tailor it to empowering Black women. My, my voice reaches anybody who will listen, and I'm willing to teach anyone who will listen. Um, but I am very passionate about empowering Black women because we need it. And I recognized that in the sexual health space, there wasn't many people actually speaking directly to Black women and speaking the language that we speak. Um, so instead of me complaining, I was like, I'm just going to pick up the work and I'm going to start. And then I also started a YouTube channel. Uh, Glamorotica 101 because I noticed and this was back when YouTube was really cool and open where you could do whatever um, I noticed that nobody was really teaching the mechanics of sex like how to outside of pornography and pornography doesn't teach anything it's just entertainment and it, it builds on fantasies that are often uh, play they often placate to the white male fantasies Mm. and they're gays but it's a whole different conversation so I started the YouTube channel as a way for people who wanted to learn how to have sex but didn't want to watch porn to be able to watch something that was like PG-13 and still tasteful but also sexy so kind of skirting the line and I decided to jump in the videos and do them myself because I did not have a budget to pay anybody and also it was very difficult to find people who would bend their ass over and get into different sex positions that didn't feel some type of way about it so um, nine years later and many viral posts and videos later, um, gosh, I've, I've had a show on Playboy Radio. I used to be the resident sex expert for Ebony.com. I've been published in Ebony Magazine five times. I've been featured on every platform you could think of from Cosmopolitan to Essence to Ebony, uh, New York Times, New York Magazine, Washington Post, Huffington Post, you name it, I've been featured there and there's more features to come. I've been on hella podcasts, uh, <laughs> the Nod podcast, Horrible Decisions. Um, it's so, so many, so many. So I, I my, my passion really is just teaching people how to experience more pleasure in their lives, um, not just in the bedroom, but outside of the bedroom and just making sex fun and easily integratable into their lives. So it's a little bit about me. You check me out online. My SEO is very strong. So if you put Tayomi in Google, you literally can find everything about what I do. Mm. So in case you forget any of my links. 
So what you're basically saying is you've been out here doing the damn thing. I have, I have. I've been doing it for a long time and I've been through the fire. I've been through the rain, tears, blood, sweat, everything. Like I've been through getting kicked off of platforms, blocked from platforms. Um, It's just, it's been crazy. People don't understand when you work in the sexual health space, algorithm words and things that get flagged on certain sites. And so you're not able to actually build on every platform. So I've had to literally search and seek out the platforms that actually accept my content. Shouts out to HostGator for being my, uh, for being the provider of my dedicated server because I have my own dedicated server. Shouts out to WordPress for supporting (laughs) me. Shouts out to GoDaddy, you know, shouts out to all of them because they've been holding me down for years. How do you maintain your resilience? Because like you said, you've been doing this for damn near a decade now. Like, how do you just maintain that focus of just taking this no and then going to the next door and taking that yes, maybe that yes wasn't all the way to yes that you thought it was. How do you just like not get overwhelmed, let alone as a, you know, as a business owner, as a brand ambassador of yourself? Like, how do you just maintain that tenacity within yourself to do these things? Sometimes I do feel overwhelmed and I have felt overwhelmed more in the past when I was like building it up. But what has kept me is my purpose. And I know that I'm doing God's work, you know, because in everything that I do, I am led by God. You know, I do not live life by my own, by my own knowledge. You know, God leads everything that I do. And so Whenever I think about giving up, there's always somebody who reaches out to me. And I know that's God because we are all connected through collective consciousness. Um, Somebody like will reach out to me and just tell me how impactful I've been in their lives just by being here, just by being present, you know? Mm -hmm. And so things are a lot different now than they were back then. Like in 2011, that was the beginning of 2010 decade. So the internet and its policies and stuff looks a lot different now than it did back then. So I would just get up every day and I wasn't being paid. You know, I did, I wasn't not making money off of my blog, but I would get up every day and I would blog. And then I had a list of 100 people who I considered to be influencers. And I would hit them up and say, Hey, check this out, retweet this. And I would do that every single day, Monday through Friday for two years Mm. until, you know, I had built a name for myself. So I designed my life and I designed my career in a very specific way early on, deciding that I was going to have a business that was ran on the internet that eventually would be able to run itself and make money in its sleep. And I also um, said that I wanted opportunities to come to me, that I didn't want to have to seek them out and that's what's been happening in my life because I designed it that way. And so I just leave my life open for God to tell me where to go and what to do and say. And I just maintain my purpose. You know, I'm here to bring love and enlightenment in an area that is very, very much so um, a space of hardship and trauma for a lot of people, you know, people's sexuality, very repressed, holding a lot of, you know, darkness within that space. And so I'm here to bring the light to that. And it's me doing God's work. So that's what keeps me motivated. You know, this is not about me being famous. This is not about me elevating myself, even though for my brand, I am the face of it. I don't make it about me. And I offer one-on-one coaching. I offer group coaching through my webinars. 
Um, I offer free advice through my YouTube channel and my blog site, glamorotical101.com. And I also offer insight on Twitter and Instagram. And I like to lead open conversations about sex because my belief is if we can speak more openly about it, and just have conversations and talk about it, then we can remove the stigma around even having an adult conversation. <laughs> Come on now, we grown. Like, what are we doing? This is exactly what I loved about you when I first discovered you. Like, what's mind-blowing to me is we live in America where damn near everything is hypersexualized all day, every day. But, like, as far as discussions on real sex on like actual like real life intercourse on STDs on how you know pregnancy actually works how our minds actually work during sex like if a dude gets soft during the middle of sex it's not just because he finds you unattractive always it's not just because you know something some out of your control like it's just we like to make all these thoughts and assumptions because we don't have the conversations to go along with the actual facts of things and so I'm just loving that you do what you do. And did you did you have to like consciously form your own method of doing that? Or did it just come naturally from you already being, you know, completely comfortable talking about sex the way you are? I've always been a natural teacher. And so, and communications is just a part of who I am naturally. So knowing how to speak, that's always been a part of me. And as I've gone throughout my life, I've taken different courses and I've had different mentors to help me like with my writing and public speaking and stuff like that. Um, and I've always been that go-to person for like relationships and then eventually sex when I started learning more about it. So my blog was really just an extension of what I was already offering to the people in my life and like my close knit circle. And I just expanded it to the world. So, um, and then as my blog has grown, I've grown with it. Like I've grown through my own personal sexual hangups. And that's the thing about what I do. It's like, I didn't want to go to school to be a sex therapist because my perception of therapists, they can only go so far with you. A therapist is not going to teach you how to suck a dick. She's just not going to do that or he's not going to do that. Um, so I wanted to be more hands-on and more personable with my clients. And then I also wanted to show them like, hey, look, I'm going through my own personal journey too. So I'm not this lofty person who has all this knowledge that's looking down at you like I'm better than you. I'm not, we're on the same level, but I have dedicated my life to this knowledge. And so I'm gonna do my best to seek it out, to bring this information back to you so it betters your life. And I'm going to present it in a way that is easy to understand and easy to integrate. And it just gets your wheel spinning. So I wanted to be a coach instead of a therapist, which being yeah. a coach is a form of therapy. It's just a different way that you approach your clients and uh, a different way that you approach the healing process. And then I added authentic Tantra into the mix, which works within the spirit, which works within the energy body. And uh, I, I'm a light worker. I'm a tantrika, you know, so I, I'm a shaman. I'm a person that works with energy and works with spirits. And, and um, I've been that way my whole life. And it took for me to actually embrace that and accept that in my adulthood to really lean into the work and step into the work. So it's, it's been great. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. We just had a whole discussion about how your life was lit before the show even started. But oh, yeah, yeah. My life is lit, yo. <laughs> I'm happy that you bring that same light. That's what I believe um, owning the business should be about. It should be about bringing that light to other people. 
when you focus mm -hmm. purely on the money and your own financial gain and you know making yourself look better than everybody else yet yeah, people will tell you that's good business but we gotta give back to humanity man and i'm so glad that you're bringing humanity back into sex um it's yeah. such a blessing so thank you so much for being here we're gonna Thanks get right into it. yes man, we're gonna get into it uh, we're gonna talk about this whole will and jada thing man <laughs> we gonna get it. <laughs> i know you got thought i know y'all got thoughts uh, comments. I'm gonna tell y'all now. I can't. I'm not gonna read these comments like crazy because I ain't got Will to help me tonight. So I mean, mostly talking to Tyomi tonight. You know, what I'm saying I'm sorry. I'm not trying to neglect y'all. I still love y'all. Still drop your comments if you want to call in. Please do so. I want to talk about this Will and Jada thing. Um, <laughs> you had a great, great video on IG. Um, yes. Instagram. People who I um, don't know um, talking about you know people your kind of perception of how people reacted to these things and it was funny to me. It was funny. Please tell us your thoughts on people's reaction to it. Not so much the situation itself, but people's reaction to what happened. It was funny to me how people were just immediately projecting their own fears onto the situation and making jokes and funny memes and all of that. Like I, I scrolled through Twitter. I saw so many different opinions. I scrolled through Instagram, of course, saw all the funny memes and stuff. And it was just funny to me that people were so tickled by the word entanglement because I'm like, ooh, y'all vernacular is basic, like no shade, not judgment, <laughs> just an observation that the average person's vernacular is basic um, because they don't, see, I'm a wordsmith and I'm a writer and I love words. And so when people go the extra mile to use an adjective that you do not typically hear to me, that is an indication that that word was necessary to use because it wasn't just the norm. So mm -hmm. when she placed the, when she said we had an entanglement, I understood exactly what she meant and why she used that word. And so I was able to hold compassionate space, but I knew that the world was going to drag her based on Will's reaction <laughs> because he was just kind of fed up, you know what I mean? So I laughed at a lot of the stuff that I saw and then I just started to feel um, irritation and I had to deal with that within myself because I was like, everyone's innocent in how they're viewing this thing. But I started to feel irritation because I was like, man, I live in a bubble in my own little world and I live in a world with other people who are in the same alignment with me. So our thinking is quite elevated. But then when I go out into the world by going through social media, I realize that the average person is still on kind of like a, a basic level of thinking with a lot of things, which includes this idea that you own someone if you get into a partnership, especially a marriage where there's a legal binding to it. And so I, I was like, man, everyone's literally missing the grand lesson in this entire thing because they're so caught up on, oh my God, they were <laughs> cheating. And I'm like, oh my God, even you're not seeing it correctly if you think that there was any type of cheating going on here, but you know, go off sis. <laughs> like instantly, like, and I even saw dudes felt like she was being, she was sliding Will because she wasn't being completely honest. <laughs> what? She was being completely honest. She was honest. Like, yo, this is the thing. <laughs> go okay. Ahead. Just, this is your show today. They, they both said we were done. We amicably, we amicably separated. We were not together. We chose within our marriage to separate. We were done with each other. We chose to go our separate ways to find happiness on our own. 
And then during that time, Jada decided that she could find her happiness in entering into a relationship with August. And during that time of separation, they definitely had no obligation towards each other. What, what either one of them was doing was not any of the other's business because they had separated and they gave each other the permission to do what they needed to do. And so I just found, found it interesting that the average person viewing the situation was so caught up in, oh, but they still legally married. That's and it. it's like, it's like, so you care more about what a piece of paper says than what two people who are actually living the relationship are saying and actually doing. Because what they were expressing, even in their separation, was unconditional love. It's like, look, I love you enough to say, I got to leave you alone right now because I'm not happy. I know you're not happy. And Will has said consistently, I am not responsible for Jada's happiness. And he's not, neither is she. So when Jada said, I didn't need Will's permission to enter into this relationship or do anything and never do I need his permission to do anything with in this way, because that's my choice. And when she said that, I felt that in my soul because I was like, wow, so interesting how People think that a woman needs to go and receive some type of pass from the man who she's chosen to enter into life partnership with to go and seek her happiness, especially when it involves another person. You need my male permission. But when when men, you know, men can go off and do what they do because I'll bet, you know, men are going to be men. Men have their needs. Men got to sow their oats, whatever. And it's like, wow, okay, so a man has autonomy, but a woman doesn't. And also, again, they were separated and they both made that decision together. And it wasn't like Jada went off and just did what she wanted to do behind Will's back. They were separated. She was living her life over here. He was living her life. He was living his life over here. And that's just what it was. And it was an entanglement because of the way that August was brought into their family. That was her son's friend that he brought into their fold to help him through a really rough time in his life when he was ill. And so to go from being a mentor to now a romantic lover of this guy, you know, this kid, you know, whatever you want to call him. It's like, well, what the hell? I mean, in that sense, I can understand why Will was just like, oh, what? <laughs> um, and just kind of thrown off by the whole thing because it's like, you went from helping this kid get better to now y'all fucking, you know? Um, so Will just mentioned like Will's guys are sick in the hospital somewhere, but he's still laid up watching the show because I knew he would be. <laughs> he said, um, what do you think about because I think a lot of the heat was coming from people looking at Jada's being predatory and that <laughs> how you know, how apparently like um I guess from this is what I'm hearing now. Projection projection, but continue. From what I heard, like apparently he was like doing real bad. He was like, was he on drugs or whatever right there at the time? He was um, going through depression. I feel like he lost a family member or whatever. Like apparently he was going through real bad. Going through he real was bad really things. sick. Yeah. And he and was people, going through a whole lot. So people were perceiving that she kind of got him at his, you know, vulnerable moment. <laughs> people, people are projecting their own inner fears onto the situation because I remember very vividly that time, that timeline. Cause I don't forget shit when it comes to celebrities that I pay attention to. 
it was not predatory. She wasn't grooming him. And if you actually listen to what she said, she clearly stated what it was. Jaden brought August in to their fold because he thought that they could help him as a family because he was struggling. August had went into a coma for a little while and he had come out of that coma. And when he came out of it, um, they were basically telling him like he had some kind of condition that was rare and it was just like threatening his life. So the Smiths began to literally rescue him from that sickness. And so, you know, in the process of helping this boy heal, what is, what is so wrong about Jada developing some type of romantic feelings for him? She wasn't grooming him and they both were at a vulnerable state because if you actually listened to what she said, Jada said that she was in a space where she was unhappy. She didn't know herself. And when she got with him, they both said the same exact thing about what the relationship did for them. They said that they found love and they, they, they found themselves again and that they truly experienced something that transformed them. So, so all I see is people projecting their own inner fears onto the situation because I'm like, she actually literally said what it was, but you guys are like, nah, 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 it's not that, it's not that, she's been a predator. You're actually projecting your own inner fears onto the situation instead of listening to what she was saying and accepting what she was saying what she's saying as truth. So I don't, I, I don't understand that. It's so wild how people can sit there and listen to the thing, hear the thing, not necessarily receive the thing, but like have it being told to them and then completely disregard it for something that deciding that they, they're gonna believe what they're gonna believe. Um, because I mean, that's not like when I first heard, I honestly, honest I didn't really follow it all the way through. Cause I don't really do a whole lot of celebrity gossip type things, but, but, you know, I just heard, you know, a roundabout, of, you know, idea of what happened and because of what people's, you see this how the internet works because of opinions are already saying, I was like, damn, did she pray on this man? Like, did she like catch him in the vulnerable state? And then watching the red table talk, which like I said, I think is, um, it was really good. I think, um, you know, Will had a lot of emotions going on. Of course, I'm sure they didn't tell everything on camera. But um, listen to it like, yeah, I believe that somebody can be someone's, you know, help one minute and then y'all both get caught in a moment and y'all both need each other for something and something can pop off. And one thing you said in the video, I believe that was really funny, is that a lot of y'all are entangled with yourself. Everybody. <laughs> and, and, that's why, and that's why I said people are projecting because the average person is in an entanglement in some form. You know, if you are in a relationship where you are compromising your own happiness and your integrity to maintain that relationship all because of, oh, the title, oh, the law says based on our marriage license, this piece of paper, you are in an entanglement. If you are in a situation where you are not happy and you have to compromise your happiness to quote unquote, make somebody else happy, you are in an entanglement. If you are in a situation where you are violating your relationship contract, you have not been open and honest with your partner about what you're doing on the side, then you are in an entanglement. So I just found it funny that people want to laugh and kiki about the situation, but I'm like, you're literally living in an entanglement right now with your baby mama, with your baby daddy. And, and the reason why you're so involved and invested in this conversation is because it is reflecting something back to you that's making you feel uncomfortable. But in order to not face the entanglement in your life, you decide to 
to project onto that situation and make this the grand focus of your life right now. Distraction. That's the power that the internet gives you. The internet lets you be distracted. It lets you judge other people without being judged yourself. It lets you just be like, y'all fucking up over there. It allows you to see God's bleed is what I call it. Like you look at Jada and Will as like the gods, some, you know, Will KG or whatever. Gods are like the black community. And when you see that that crack in that armor, you can be like, oh, yes, they're still human. Oh, thank God. All right, I'm not the only one. <laughs> it's just <laughs> funny, though, because they have controlled their narrative so beautifully since the 90s. Like, they've only allowed us into their world when they wanted us to. And so um, with August Alcina coming out and saying what he said, this was the first time that the narrative was not straight. Mm. You know, because I've heard all kinds of things about the Smiths uh, throughout my my time even working in the space that I'm working in now and I'm like okay this makes sense but the average person you know they're not privy to certain information so like when August came out and said what he said it was just like oh well they're not perfect it's like but why did you think that they were (laughs) because you wanted somebody to idolize and look up to and feel like you know you have you have something to aspire to and I understand because everybody wants to have a quote-unquote savior so to speak but you are your own savior really at the end of the day but it's if you it's if you, if you get to that level and um we want to talk a little bit about that you know what i'm saying um i wanted to touch on jada's remark of not needing will's permission to seek pleasure outside of will um like he said they were separated so she did not need his permission mm-hmm. but if i remember correctly i think he said even if they were still, still together like she still in some aspects doesn't really need his permission no. to seek pleasure outside of him how do you kind of you know travel that thin line of seeking pleasure outside of your partner you know without their permission without needing their permission but also not violating that commitment that you made to them like how do you do you ask your partner to go to the ice cream parlor and get two scoops of ice cream that's your favorite ice cream that makes you feel good no you Um, don't you don't why because it's ice cream and what's interesting is that people when they think about pleasure they only think about sex they only think about sexual pleasure. And so then they tie that into, oh, well, you know, sex is only supposed to be happening between me and you. But what people don't also understand is like, you don't know the depth of the relationship contract that Will and Jada has and their ideas on monogamy and their ideas on how sex is used or flexed within their relationship. So again, people are projecting. Um, but it really boils down to what have you and your partner agreed upon is acceptable as far as sex and romantic relationships outside of your primary is concerned. But when it comes to pleasure in general, you don't need your partner's permission to go take a walk and enjoy the sunshine because it brings you emotional pleasure to do so. You just go out the house and you take a walk and you're not condemned for that. But lo and behold, look, God forbid, you want to go out to the strip club and let some ass cheeks shake in your face and you want to throw $50 on that ass. You know, now you're doing something wrong because it's sexual and erotic pleasure. And now all of a sudden you need your partner's permission to partake in that. Like, man, okay, so I can go out and buy whatever I want for myself, especially when it's using my own money that I've earned, but I can't go spend my money on a big booty hoe. I don't understand. So... Um, <laughs> it's really about what is your dynamic? What is your agreement? What, what are your agreements with your partner? 
when it comes to your boundaries around sex and romantic relationships, because that is the only aspect of pleasure that people feel like they have the right to police. Other than that, emotional pleasure, sensual pleasure, and um, spiritual pleasure are not pleasures that partners typically uh, invade you know, their partner's space in. They allow them the freedom to explore that pleasure all they want. So, you know, and what's interesting is that none of this is actually ever discussed. You never really truly discuss with your partner if monogamy is really what you want. It's assumed. Every time. It's assumed. And you never even talk about what if you have sexual desires to join with other people? What does that look like? How do we flex that? that is never even brought up as an idea because if it is, then the jealousy monster pops up because then it starts to, uh, you know, reveal insecurities in the other person. So it, you know, like if you're not talking about it, then you're making gross assumptions that can be detrimental to your relationship. But again, because you have this piece of paper with the title of husband and wife, you just feel that you are entitled to have a say-so and how this person flexes their romantic or sexual autonomy. And the truth of the matter is, you don't. I had asked the question on Facebook as well as in person because Facebook is good, but you know, the, the, the dialogue on social media sometimes be, be mad. Church. It be, what'd you say? What'd you say? The church, Facebook is the church. It'd be the church, it'd be the hyperbolic, time chamber of I'm gonna do stuff how my I thought my grandparents did back in the day and anything outside of that I ain't with it but I asked people like if you were in a long-standing relationship with somebody and you know you were doing everything was going well but that person just expressed that their sexual desires kind of exceed yours in a lot of ways and they just wanted to have the conversation not even saying like I'm going to do this but have the conversation of um what if we came to some agreement of me seeing somebody outside of you to fulfill not even this necessarily sex, but just intimate desires in general. Like, how would you approach it? And a lot of people was like, I'm breaking off just for them even bringing that question up. Cause like, obviously I'm not doing the job for you. So why are we even, even together? Um, so I want to bring, I want to circle back around to that um, a little bit <laughs> later on. I know, I know you got thoughts on that, but um, to answer your question, I think a lot of it comes from viewing our partners as possessions. Like, the whole mentality of, okay, you with me now, so now you can't do that no more. You with me now, so you can't be hanging out with someone so no more. How do we move away from that culture towards something, towards treating our partners like actual partners? Well, it first starts with realizing that you're not responsible for your partner's pleasure or their happiness, that you are literally a compliment to your partner. You know, mm. you're not responsible for them and they're not responsible for you. And also when you join together, you make the choice to join your lives together. And then you also should be talking about what your boundaries are. But when you think that you have the right to police your partner's desires, and when you think that you have the right to police your partner's mindset and what they think, where they place their thoughts, what they do with their body, um, that's not a loving state to be in. It's actually a fear-based state because it's all of the ego. The ego wants to possess and try to control, but love frees. Love says you are free to be exactly as you are. 
And so I understand, especially in monogamous relationships, you do want to have your boundaries, but how about you actually speak up and let it be known what those boundaries are? Because I guarantee you, if you entered into a relationship saying all of this, we can be together, you know, I want us to join our lives together, but you can't think about any other person but me. You can't, you can hang out with your homeboys, but if there's anybody that you're sexually or romantically attracted to or just remotely attracted to in any way besides platonic, you can't hang out with them. You can't even think about them. You can't make comments on anybody else's Facebook pages saying that they look nice or anything like that. You can't even watch porn on your own because that means that you're not thinking about me. If you said all of that entering into a relationship, nobody would want to be with your ass. But that's what you're thinking. And that's also what you think is the right thing to do because of programming. You've been programmed to think this way. Because if you really said it like that, you will realize how crazy you sound <laughs> and how ridiculous you're being in trying to be the police over somebody else's life. When you're doing that much policing, how can you actually live your life and live in pleasure when you're trying to control what the other person is thinking and doing with their mind, body, and spirit? You don't have that much power in the world, sis, bro, person. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because some people, some people are not sisters and bros. They are just people, you know, no gender. So we got to be, we got to be equal up in here. But um, people can move away from that idea that their partners are possessions by realizing that you don't own anything on this earth. Even mm -hmm. the body that you're in, you're renting this bitch for a moment in time. And it is for the purpose of communicating to the universe what you want to manifest and if you are spending your time in this body manifesting fear and jealousy and trying to control and trying to restrict the people who you claim that you love, you're wasting time because that's not why God put life into the body that you have in order for you to live here. God mm. brought you here so that you can expand love, extend love and receive love. But you know, you over here wasting time thinking that you're supposed to be monitoring your partner's Facebook page, making burner accounts and shit. Like, come on, man, you're doing too much. You oh. should be working for the CIA. That's what you should be doing. Matter of fact, the FBI need to give you a job or a secret service. How you moving, you know? But hey, some people want to be entertained in that way. And so they engage in that uh, type of activity because they're actually not experiencing pleasure within their relationships. And some of them don't know how because the only thing they've ever been in is toxic relationships. And so if they don't have any drama going on, then they don't know how to live in peace. Crazy. It's insanity. You're gonna drop all this and not even give me the, the head, brain power to even, cause like, like you said, it's so wild how many things we experience you ever talk to somebody while they're going through that whole phase of stalking their significant other on social media? You ever talk to them about it, and they said like, "Yeah, he thought this this is the shit will get you." But yeah, he thought I was dumb. But I had a second and third account. You know what I'm saying? I shut down the fourth account, but I had the second and third account, and kind of talking to so and so. Da 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 da. da. And they they go through the whole process of like how smart they are, how advanced they are to catch them and they lie, because that's that's what it's all about. Like you're trying to catch them in a the lie. You're not doing this for nothing. You want that bad shit to happen so you can catch them and put it in their face. They go through right. this whole gymnastics and they they talk about it like they was proud of themselves mm -hmm. and they caught them. <laughs> it's fucking, it's fucking, it's just... Because the stories that they told themselves 
like validates their actions, even though they know they're being crazy and actually absurd. And really they're just calling out for love. They're just calling out to be loved by their partners and to, to be paid attention to, to be seen and heard. Um, but they're going about it the, the way, uh, the ego's way, not love's way, you know? And the, the great thing about us as beings is the fact that like we have all power and dominion over everything in this world because God gave us that power so much power that we can choose to live in ignorance and choose to live in fear and choose to fuck up our relationships when it could really be simple it could be easy um and again some people just don't even know that they're living in this toxic ass cycle because they've never seen anything else they've never seen an example of how healthy relationships work and so that's why i say they're innocent because they never had they had never had an example of what it means to be in healthy partnership and to not take on somebody else's stuff as their own, to not police somebody else. And so it's not until they see a healthy example of what relationships are supposed to look like, do they even realize that they're doing something that's crazy, that's ego-based. So a lot of people are just sheep asleep. <laughs> and until, right, sheep asleep. And until they get woken up, you know, and get the wool pulled from over their eyes, they don't even know that what they're doing is insane. Yes, even if they are in a position to receive it, um, which hopefully they would be sooner or later, but it's hard. Um, we got one call coming in. Um, I think this might be Star. Yeah, movie. it is. Beautiful. How you doing? I'm good. Um, Hey, so it, was there a question? Because while on hold, I couldn't hear the conversation. The conversation was the same. We we're just talking about how people often are in entanglements and don't really realize it. Um, are used to unhealthy mm -hmm. relationships, kind of project their own unhealthy ideas on other people's relationships, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I heard when I tuned in, y'all were not talking about that specifically. Um, hi, I just want to say hello to the guest. Um, I definitely... <laughs> Were you on Marie Noir? Madame Marie Noir? Noir's YouTube. Is it Madame Noir? I don't know, but I, I think I was picturing somebody else. But anyway, thank you for, for being on the show and for your work in general and for having this conversation. Um, it's a conversation that I like to have a lot. And I love what you said about purpose and the purpose of our bodies and that we won't have this body the whole time. And we often put the energy in the wrong places um, or the places that just don't feel good or benefit us at the moment. But one thing I wanted to point out, I think it's, um, I've definitely been a part of the polyamorous multiple partner conversation or non-ownership open relationship conversation for a while. Um, I found a community online that was really into that. So it's kind of like I've had a different view of relationships ever since kind of integrating that. And one main thing that I've found is that it's very different in theory that in practice, a lot of the times, if you already have that conditioning, like you said, it can take years to really undo a lot of that, especially yep. the trauma that we've had around things that we experienced when we were in the old conditioning. And I wanted to point that out because I think it kind of boils down to a mental health issue. Like when you, when you brought up um, someone should be in the CIA, you know, they're making burner accounts. That reminded me of the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix. I haven't seen it yet, but I've I've seen the previews. 
It's okay. So the show's old now. It's over. Um, it's really, really good. In fact, I plan on watching it with Mike from the beginning. I would actually watch it from the beginning because that's how good it was. Um, it had a lot of problems, but it did talk about mental health in, in regards to relationships. She actually has, well, I won't spoil it. I'll just say she's got some issues. And a lot of the things that she was doing in regards to relationships actually was due to her brain chemistry and mental mm-hmm. health and, and, it can really manifest. So when you talked about jealousy, like I struggle with that. And I think I always kind of did um, an anxiety and stuff like that that I didn't realize I had, but it applied to a relationship. It can really be toxic, you know, to the other person. But these, these tenants that you talk about in terms of owning yourself, not being responsible for your partner's pleasure and also them not being responsible for yours and not asking for permission can really take oftentimes, unfortunately, like a really traumatic experience to go through before you're like, look, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not going to enter into another relationship like that. Like part of the reason why I felt like I was so hurt when I was cheated on in previous relationships, it, it, well, one in particular is because I was like, hey, everybody's fucking but me. Like, I'm mad because I'm not joining it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm mad because everybody seems to be enjoying themselves but me. And so mm-hmm. I was actually mad that I didn't take my own pleasure exactly. and, yes. and put it first. Mm-hmm. But the other side that I think I was in denial about was the fact that it still felt bad because I was betrayed and I felt like the relationship itself was disrespected. So it's, 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 it's many-fold, you know what I mean? It's multiple layers to it. And I feel like we don't do ourselves a, a service when we really act like it's so easy to just become this person who's like, I don't care what you do. You do you, I'm going to do me. It's like, it hurts It's not easy. It's a process. You know? It really is a process. And you, you do have to check yourself consistently. It really is an internal job. And you have to have the willingness to see it a different way and to choose a different way of thinking because the scripts are going to be running consistently. And the main thing is knowing the difference between what is love's voice and what is fear's voice, what is the ego's voice, because all of us have been programmed to listen to the ego's voice primarily. So we have great practice in that. But then when you start talking about open love and all that, it seems foreign. And what happens is in the face of open love is it's literally a light shining on darkness. And so it's really causing you to face the shadows to eradicate them. And when those shadows do pop up, it looks really scary. And for people who have been living in traumatic states consistently, like science and studies have shown that living in traumatic states can alter your cellular structure, your very DNA. So especially when you're talking about generational stuff that's been passed down. So no, it's it's simple, but it's not easy to yeah. go through mm-hmm. the process yeah. of rewiring. And it takes, it requires a lot of willingness because it's not just like, oh, I've arrived at this level and I'm done doing the work. No, you've arrived here and there is more and you're going to be doing more across over the course of your life. Like you have to be remain, you have to remain committed to saying, I'm going to live as love. I'm going to listen to love's voice only. And there will be times where you're going to backtrack. You're going to fall off that love wagon. You're going to fall into the ego's traps because it manifests itself in so many ways, including what we perceive as mental illness. So if you don't have somebody assisting you with giving you tools to help you with deciphering the voices and the things going on in your head, then you're fighting an uphill battle because um, 
the average person out here doesn't know how to navigate that stuff. It's people nope. who've, who've been through it and people who have the tools to be able to guide others through that can really assist in that. But it, no, it's not easy. And whoever said anything like this is going to be easy. It's do you have the willingness to live your best life, the life that's filled with love and ease versus a life that's filled with judgment and hate and being small? Because when you judge yourself, you constrict your life. You constrict the love that can actually flow through you. So, you know, you write about that. This stuff does, it plays into mental health heavily. And when it comes to the application, it's really calling you out and it's bringing your shit forward. And it's like, are you going to face your shit or are you just going to continue to sit in it? You know? Fix your shit. <laughs> yeah. And I, that definitely resonates very deeply. Um, like me and Mike talk about this all the time. I really, I feel like I was there and then I don't know, life, something just brought me back. And I was speaking to another awesome friend of mine who's very spiritual and understanding of this kind of process. It's like you, when you said the work never ends, I'm in something again now where it seems like I've forgotten everything about love and what, who I am. And I feel like I'm just in this thing to like generate income. Like I'm in this vessel to generate income and like make it on a very physical root chakra level. And like, I've forgotten so much of what I've learned, but I know it's like still there, you know, but it's just like, okay. And you know, that's by your design. That's by your design. You know, forgetfulness is something that we often go into when we want to slow ourselves down. And all of this is by your design. You're doing it to yourself. There's literally nobody else outside of you saying, hey, you need to forget this. It's literally you doing it to yourself. And so you got to ask yourself the question like, well, why am I backtracking again? Why am I choosing to go back into this state of forgetfulness? And the most beautiful thing about it is it's not right or wrong. It's just your experience. It's just your journey. You know what I mean? Like you have the power to choose whether you're happy or whether you're sad. And so if you want to choose to forget everything that you just learned, then it's for the purpose of you going back through that journey of remembering because you're, for some reason, you feel that you got to go back through it. Maybe there was something you didn't learn before that now on this new journey of remembering, you're going to really integrate. So I, you know, I always challenge my uh, clients to, to not judge where they are. It's like, if you've chosen this, then you've chosen this and it's for a purpose. So now figure out what it is. And then if you don't want to feel this way anymore, if you want to, if you want to continue to remember and not forget, then make the choice and stick to it and hold yourself accountable. Accountability is the major part of it all. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. We get um Yeah. I, I want to respond to that real quick and then I'm gonna go. So I really love that. And now as you were talking, you answered the question with what my spirit was feeling, which was that I just chose to go through this journey again because maybe I left some pieces on the table and I fully committed when I began my journey on as a human to not leave anything behind and to be thorough in my process. So I'm going through another, like, not really a dark night of the soul, but maybe kind of, you know. It is a dark um, night of the soul. Call a thing a thing. You know, you go through that darkness. And and it envelops relationships, but it's so much more about life. Like, 
And I understand applying it to the context of relationships and that's what you do, but it's life too. And I'm sure that's what you do as well, but cause there's no separating of those two. You know what we I mean? Have but we have a relationship like with bucket. life. You know, like, with life. and I always say the relationships are my most important thing. And I, I, I love that. Um, I want to leave you with one question just so that, and then I'm going to hang up, but I'll listen to the answer. Um, being, you talked about generational trauma. You talked about it being passed down in the cells. Being that we're like, as black people, we're like a collective cell DNA family, like regardless, like the black diaspora, right? How do you think that that will play back, circling back to relationships, would play into us healing the way we see relationships, like getting out of ownership or getting out of like men being, you know, like in, in certain nations, like being very patriarchal, even here, you know, the beating, the, the domestic violence, like how do you, how do we heal? Because when we do this relationship event and we ask people questions, the answer keeps coming up. Oh, well, work on yourself, work on yourself, work on yourself before, during, and after you get in the relationship. But like, what are the things that people can actually do to work on themselves, specifically as Black people, to heal our relationships? And thank you. I'm going to hang You're up and welcome. listen. <laughs> All right. Hello. Thank you for calling in. That was a great question. Um, it's so interesting when people say work on yourself because that's a very broad term, but really we are all suffering with traumas from childhood. Like it is the wounded child that we have to work on the wounded child and those things that we experience in our developmental state. Um, like a lot of us have like abandonment issues and it came from somewhere in our childhood and we just brought it into adulthood. And some of the stuff that we are dealing with literally came from our mothers, our grandmothers, our fathers, our father's fathers, you know, and so we may not understand how we feel or why we're feeling it or why certain things are going on in our body. You know what I mean? And it's because we're carrying things that went, that went, uh, that were left undone in our ancestors that now it's like we've picked up the torch even though we didn't ask for it. No. It came down to us because we have the power to, to transmute it. But it's only when you consciously are aware of that that then you go on the journey of discovery of, okay, how do I go about doing that? And seeking out therapy, seeking out light workers, seeking out people who have the tool set to be able to impart on you to assist you through working on yourself. That's how you do it. Black people need to be more open to therapy, to coaching, to alternative forms of therapy. Um, because you can't, you the work you have to do by yourself is a self job, but you cannot do it alone. If you don't have the tools and if you've never even knew that this was something that was there that needed to be rectified. So asking for help, black people, we need to ask for help. Please. Even if, even if the help is coming from somebody who does not look exactly like you. And there are people in this world who look like you, who can assist you with what you're going through and all of your relationships, not just romantic, okay? All of your relationships are teacher learning experiences. So if you can reframe your idea around what relationships are for, you think they're for entertainment, you think they are for security, you think that these relationships are for helping you like just get by in this world. But literally every single last relationship that you're in, whether it be platonic, uh, familial, uh, or, or romantic or sexual are all classrooms. 
Mm. And whatever it is that you are supposed to learn is going to come through that other person. And what you are supposed to learn, it will be a mirror. So you will think that this person is the cause of your pain, but they're not. They're literally just just reflecting back to you that stuff that's coming up within that relationship for you to rectify and heal. And the beautiful thing is that within that relationship is where you learn it. Now, every relationship may not be peaceful and loving. You know, there are some relationships that can be tumultuous and abusive, which still, even in those situations, it's something for you to learn. You know, have you, have you gotten fed up enough with abuse, you know, and abusing yourself that you don't want to project that outward and attract that type of relationship anymore? You know what I mean? It's, it, if you really look at what your relationships are meant to be for, then you would approach them differently and realize that within those relationships, you have a grand opportunity to heal, but it really does require for black people to ask for help. Because if I didn't ask for help, because I'm no different than any of y'all, you know, I was, I was codependent and in toxic relationships, abusive relationships before myself. And if I didn't ask for help from God first, <laughs> then I wouldn't even be in the position that I'm in now to be able to speak the way that I'm speaking, because I wouldn't even know that there was something different or a different way of seeing things. So we heal the collective by healing individually because there is no like grand healing or like, like one thing that like we can all do as a group and it's going to work. Each individual person teaching each other, reaching, to, reaching out to each other by doing the work for themselves because people can feel the effects of your work when you do it. You walk into a room and people just feel your energy. They're like, man, what are you doing? And then from there, that energy resonates out and it calls people to action. So if you work on yourself individually, instead of trying to project onto other people, like you need to change this, you need to work on this. It's like, why are you doing all this? Look how many fingers pointing back at you. <laughs> you learned that back in middle school. <laughs> right, three of them Johns, so. <laughs> Man, all of the words, all of the words, all of the jewels have been dropped. I could not agree more with any, every single thing you said. Um, Man, and like you said, though, it takes getting to know that you actually need that help. Um, I'm happy to see that therapy is being normalized on a large scale amongst Black people. I do, and me and Star talk about this, I do wish that we could talk about mental health on a real, real level. Like, we talk about feeling sad. We talk about being in a bad spot very freely and openly. But we talk, we're talking about, like, bipolar, mental illness, somebody acting violent, you know what I'm saying, and not even realize what they're doing. Somebody just saying something violent and not even realize what they're saying. I don't know if we're ready for that discussion in large form yet. Listen, I, look, with our beloved Kanye, you know, and I'm gonna say this about Ye, mm -hmm. I have unconditional love for Kanye. I don't care what he says or does. I see him as innocent and I love him and I'm always holding space for him because that's just, I just have, that's just how I feel. And Kanye, you know, we don't necessarily know what his mental state was before his mother passed, but it is very clear and evident that when she passed, something changed in his Absolutely. mental state. And when people go through traumatic experiences, the way that the body responds is interesting because the body tries to protect us and it armors us, but then things within us chemically change. 
you know? And so um, just through throughout this, this whole process of him, like, being in the spotlight and and not really truly being able to grieve the way that he that the way that he wanted to and just the way that her life was ended and everything it's just it's crazy how over time it's just taken a toll on him and it's gotten to the point now where it's like okay he has bipolar disorder like he's not seeing things the way that other people sees them or he's not processing things the way that other people are seeing them. And so, um, I don't know, mental health has just never really truly been taken as a serious subject within the black community. It's like, we all know somebody who, oh, he, he a little touched, you know, or he just a little, he a little off. And we just accept that they're off and we let them be, but we don't ever truly look into what's really going on and if we can help these people to be better, whether it's with medication or meditation. <laughs> um, so many things, so no, many I'm, things. Listen, I'm trying to keep it an hour and 30 minutes, but I'm telling you, we could be up here for five hours. Sure could. Because <laughs> everything you're saying is just so necessary and I'm so happy that you're so frank and honest about all these things. I'm tired of- We have to boot, we have to be, we cannot, afford to sugarcoat shit anymore that's what i'm saying that's you know? the only with the whole liberalism thing is the whole sugarcoating trauma the whole like like delicately memeing it putting a little nice little dress or bow on it and saying you'll be okay we'll just rip the motherfucking band-aid off please to save somebody's life that's the thing people are dying i should not know the amount of people i know have died to suicide i should not know that 32 years old that should not even right. be a thing so and people are dying from cancer like yo i know so many young black men who die from cancer and heart attacks that it pains me because see all this stuff that we're dealing with it manifests as disease because within our bodies we're carrying spirits we're carrying thoughts we're carry, carrying traumas that's creating imbalances and toxicity within our bodies and we don't even realize it that disease can be prevented, especially when on a spiritual and mental level, you you cure the things that are aff afflicting you. But again, you're not gonna know that you're living in the darkness until the light comes and you realize there's a difference. You know, if you're living in darkness and that's and all you've ever seen, then that's all you will ever know. And you won't know anything different. So people have to be exposed to that. And unfortunately, I'm gonna be honest with you, everybody will not come to that realization as much as we want to save all of everybody black, the reality is that in this world, everyone will not heed the call to come back home, meaning back to light, back to love. And I had to realize that a while ago because I used to feel extremely depressed around, you know, trying to save the world. Yeah. And I'm like, I can only save myself and it's not my responsibility to save others. I can only impart on them the knowledge and show them the way. It's up for them. It's up to them to actually put their foot on the path to walk the way. And you walk the way. You just don't stand there looking at the path in front of you. You got to walk it and talk it and live it, breathe it. So when I say I come here to represent the love that sent me, I mean that. And it shows up in everything that I do. You can feel it radiating from me. You know what I mean? Because I'm committed to this and only this. And some people are not ready to give up the ways of the world 
and the ways of the ego because they have identified with and attached themselves so much to the ego's way of being and thinking that to think about anything else or being any other way means that they're going to have an identity crisis. And people do not want to go through that process of uh, reworking and rewiring their mindset and shifting who they are because then it's like oh so and so is not going to accept me my friends are not going to accept me i i can say this because i've been there <laughs> i've been there i'm not saying this because i'm like being judgy i'm saying it because i've experienced it and i know and and the ego is the same for all of us you know it's no different so it's a lot to process you know what i mean but if you are willing to walk that way then this is on the other side of the work is everything you ever wanted. I'm saying yeah. from experience. That's the hardest thing. The hardest thing to convince any human is that something exists that they can't even see. Except when it comes to Christianity for whatever reason. <laughs> we can talk about that. But like that's so true. Yo, <laughs> like we believe in Jesus. We believe in if we pay that tithe, we're gonna get a blessing. You know but if you tell a person to believe in themselves, what? I can't do that. <laughs> I can't believe in myself. That's that's absurd. But I can put all of my power into yeah. heaven, earth, God, and the devil. Because look, <laughs> people empower the devil so much. I just be like, damn, did you know that if you actually look at the devil's face, it's your own? Mm. Mm. I'm gonna let that, I'm gonna let that let that let just sit marinate on them. right there. Let's sit on them. Let that oh. marinate. <laughs> So much good stuff. I'm, I'm so glad that you're here. I cannot thank you enough. Um, I hope y'all are taking this in. Like I'm telling you, this is such, and it feels like when you gotta stop, when you reach this level, you can't, I can't, I gotta stop myself from being like, this is basic stuff. Like this is stuff that you should inherently know because you can't be like that. So many people have mm -mm. grown up in such traumatic situations that they, haven't, they ain't there yet. So yes. I gotta take And some might not get there. That's the thing. Like <laughs> what we're saying, this is the thing. You know it's true when you feel it in your soul, when it hits. And it will hit and land for a lot of people, but then they'll go right back to thinking how they were thinking because they don't yet have, they don't yet think that they have the capacity to really integrate that and live that. And yeah. I hold compassionate space for those people because I understand that their souls are calling out for freedom, but their minds won't let them go there. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if that's where you're going to stay because you are that powerful that you have all dominion over what mindset you choose to to partake in and what you choose to allow to make a home in your mind you know so you got you have the power of free will god gave you that and will never take that away and no matter how deep you may be in the darkness for all my people out there listening i'm gonna let you know the one thing that will never change is the fact that you are a child of god and that god has empowered you with all of the power that he she it has and you can never leave god's mind as a loving thought because if you did you would not exist here so no matter how far you stray away from god from home it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you're always going to be loved be loved and be lovable that's it so yeah. even if you don't take anything away from the conversation just know you can never leave you can never leave the, the seed of God, you can never lose God's love, no matter how far you decide to stray off the path. Beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Um, I wanted to touch really quickly on um, 
marriage amongst our community? Because when we talk about, yeah, see, <laughs> I want to talk about that because we just discussed all those things. Millennials out here live with all those things in our heads. Like, yep. we struggle with these things. Much, many of us are broke. Many yep. of us ain't got careers. Many of us don't really know where we're going to be. You, t- you asked the whole age-old question, where do you see yourself 10, 15 years? Many of us can't answer that question. Um, we waiting, we're the least married generation. We're waiting the longest to have kids. We're waiting the longest to have houses. Like, because we got all this stuff going on. How do you even see like successful marriage like going forward in 2020 and beyond? Like, do you think marriage is even going to play a huge role in our lives going forward, especially with this pandemic now? I think that going forward, marriage is really going to be about people choosing to align themselves together, like to create strong alliances for elevation. Um, Because people are starting to realize like you can be in loving long-term relationships without taking on the title of marriage or without binding yourself together legally. And so because people are opening up, I mean, even gender, you know, there's so many different gender identities and uh, with just everything becoming more like open and non-binary and fluid, the ideas around relationship have really expanded as well. And so you have more people doing what like Will and Jada have done and saying, we are not married, we're in a life partnership. Because along what comes along with the titles are all of the expectations and the definitions that the world has placed on that. And so then you end up having these expectations based on the box that it's in, not necessarily based on what you truly feel or think. And I'm speaking from personal experience. I've been there. You know what I mean? Um, so I just think that uh, there, like, because I'm, I'm in that same millennial box, you know, I'm 32 years old and I'm definitely saying I'm going to be a 40 something mother if I have children. You know, um, I want to be a mom, but I don't want to be a mother right now, especially during this pandemic. Shout out to all the moms out there holding right. it down because y'all the real ones. Um, but just really expanding this idea of what relationship even means, what lifelong or long-term partnership even means, and how to flex that. The more that people wake up and realize they literally have complete autonomy over how they run their lives and their relationships, the more they start thinking about the alternatives and what they can choose for their relationships versus like our parents' way or grandparents' way of doing things, which was so traditional because that's what society presented and it was like their only choice. Now we have multiple boxes to check of how we identify and how we are in partnership. So I don't think that marriage is going to be that major of a priority for generations going forward because you have more entrepreneurs and people who are making money on their own without needing to get into domestic partnership for financial stability. You have more people who are open to having multiple relationships that meets and satisfies their needs without having to place so much pressure on one person to be there everything I mean people are really starting to expand and and really open up and I think it's a beautiful thing and you also still have those people who are like I just want to find one person to grow with and that's fine too but even in that context it's like they're still figuring out how to make what has been perceived traditionally as marriage work for them based on their boundaries based on their needs based on how they see life and I think that that's very healthy 
even if you are going to take on this quote unquote traditional role, AKA monogamous, cause that's what it is. The monogamous role of being together that you still choose to be autonomous over what that looks like instead of just making an assumption that it's supposed to be robotic and you know, you know, you go and you make the money. I'm gonna stay at home and cook and clean. Yeah, you know, like like women have taken over the entrepreneurial force where like female entrepreneurs, especially black female entrepreneurs outweigh any type of entrepreneur, period, on the face of this earth, black women. So black women are not just sitting at home holding down the household anymore, taking care of the babies, nursing the babies. Like black women got businesses. Black women are out here funding other businesses. Like black women have been put into a position of power. And so the traditional role of like mother, caregiver, house care, uh, house, um, taking care of the house is not really it anymore. And so, uh, you know, <laughs> all this stuff has evolved and it, it, it does boil down to, you know, what is your standard? What are your boundaries? What is going to make you feel yummy in this life? You know, because shoot, we here to our bodies are wired for pleasure. We are here to receive and experience pleasure. And so, if it's not bringing you pleasure or happiness, and you got to shift and you got to change, or not, it's your choice. (laughs) Your choice, but like you said, when you get on the other side of things, when you learn to love, accept love from multiple places, man. But we already do. That's the that's the crazy thing, bro. We already do. But when it comes to sex and relate and romantic relationship, we want to control it. You have no problem accepting love from a stranger when they when they give you a compliment or they pay for your coffee in the morning. You have no problem with accepting love from somebody who opens the door for you and says, go ahead of me. You have no problem um, accepting compliments on Facebook or whatever, or free gifts from somebody that want to gift you with something on your birthday, you know, cash app you or whatever. You're okay with receiving love in that way. But when it comes to loving multiple partners romantically or being involved with multiple partners sexually, or even the I, your idea of intimacy now, it's like, oh, no, we can't do that. Oh, no, I don't want to receive that. So crazy how we receive love from multiple sources in our family and our friends and those relationships, and we don't see anything wrong with it. But romance and sex comes in the picture. Now you want to be special. Come on now. And I understand why we're programmed this way. So I'm not judging you. Just making a very, very, very obvious observation. <laughs> I think it's only obvious now because you put it in such practical terms, you know, like you are perfect at just getting people to just see what they've already been doing or already been feeling or already been desiring. And just being like, you already want this. Like, why not delve into it deeper? And if you don't and want I- to, cool. And I have to thank my previous relationship for that because if I wasn't in that relationship for like two years and he really helped me to see things a different way, like I would still be stuck in the same space that everybody else was in. But I chose to like submit to what I was learning in that relationship and really integrating it because I knew that it was the truth. And I've continued to like, I've taken that torch up and I'm running with it because I know that it's God's, it's really God principles, it's love principles. And so, um, you know, I... I, I hold space for anybody that 
here's what we're talking about. And it's like, oh man, I feel convicted. And I also hold space for anybody that's like, I hear you and I still am going to choose for this. It's like, go ahead, you know, that not judging you, that's your choice. And you're not going to be loved any less because you choose to stay in that space. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I want to ask one more question because um, like I said, this is too good for me to pass up. So like with that, do you think, not, I'm not trying to say enforce it on anybody, but do you think more people should be open to starting out, you know, some type of poly relationship when they, when they start a new relationship with somebody? Do you think people more should be more open to like things like, I guess, hall passes? Do you think people should be more open to the thought that maybe a long-term relationship isn't necessarily meant to be monogamous for most people? Like, do you think we should kind of encourage that more or should people kind of, in a sense, master monogamy first and then try to do all these things? Like, what do you think about that? I think that people should come to the table with the awareness that we are all free and that each person has autonomy and actually have the discussion about what they desire and what works for them versus making a gross assumption that everybody is monogamous. That conversation is not had, it's assumed. No one's truly talking about it. You wanna know why? Because they don't wanna be triggered. <laughs> they don't wanna talk about it because they don't wanna be triggered. They don't want jealousy coming up. They don't want, because everybody's wearing a fucking mask. When you first meet somebody, you wanna present your best face forward. So if you come out the gate with the whole, all right, so are you monogamous or nah conversation, it's going to reveal your inner insecurities and the demons that you haven't yet faced. So people would rather just assume like, oh, if we're talking, then we're gonna be monogamous. So it's not really about people choosing to be poly or people choosing to master monogamy. It's really about honoring a person's autonomy and remembering that this needs to be a part of the conversation in the beginning. Are you a person that subscribes to monogamy or not? And yeah. also is your monogamy um, completely static where there is no room to grow or are you monogamish where you want to be with one person but then there's times when you want to open up your relationship because monogamy does not have to look like this strict thing where it's like me and you and only that, that's it. You know, it could literally be like me, you, and on Saturday and Sunday, it's me, you, Keisha, and Tom, you know, like, and then, and then how you, Keisha, and Tom, and your partner do things really is determined by what you agree upon in your relationship contract. So if people would approach uh, relationships as being fluid, as being mm. able to shift in and out of different dynamics at any given time, then people would be less stressed and pressed on trying to control and possess their partners. I think, I mean, just even if it doesn't, like, even if y'all decide that's something that you can't work out, like even if the partner decides it's something they can't do, like just the space to have the conversation. Like, yes, that's it. It is so, so many people are so sexually or just intimately suppressed mm -hmm. from feeling that they can't even bring up a topic to their partner. Like, Cause they don't want to be triggered. <laughs> I get it. I completely get it. You yes. don't want to be triggered into that space of having to face your shit. <laughs> <laughs> Raised a good question. I would, I would challenge everybody. I, I, I do call it actions. I would kind of challenge everybody to sit with yourselves and ask yourself, you know, are you truly 
the love language that you decided are you truly this love way of loving that you kind of enforced on yourself for your entire life like have you become the change or were you this way in, in, at all to begin with were you just kind of put in the church or just put around right. certain people and just told you're supposed to be this way and just decided to carry that along is that way carrying is that way working out for you um right. is it relationships is there something just missing because you know you feel that feeling of something just missing like i'm just not getting mm -hmm. everything i need right now mm -hmm like what is that just ask yourself that you know and like you said i think when you ask that you can come into the new relationship because i'm gonna tell you i had a conversation with some friends of mine from work and i tried to just bring it up to them it's very hard having this conversation in the south as i'm sure you can assume yeah i just brought it up because i just told them that i'm kind of like this whole wave of you know fluid love and stuff like that um i'm blessed to have you know a wonderful partner that you know we have our way of loving but also, I like to receive love from different um, angles and stuff. I love, mm -hmm. I love what I love to do is shower black with more love. Period. Um, that's just always been the thing for me because I've been showered by love by black women my entire life. So it's just it's just a natural part of me at this point. But like in past relationships, it's been so hard to be like I'm gonna go hang out with my homegirl for a while, and then she be like, okay, I'm coming. I'm like, no, nah, I just want to kind of you know get lunch with my homegirl, catch up with her. I ain't seen her in a minute, and it's an instant fight. Or like I got so and so gift uh, a gift for their birthday or whatever, and um, instantly it's like oh wh why would you do that? Instant fight like just the fact that you can't even bring these things up yeah. is so such anxiety builds up inside you that yeah it, it does. Is. And it's interesting because if it was the other way around, like if if she were to be receiving gifts from people that weren't you, and you told her you can't accept that gift, she would be upset because she knows that she has the freedom and the autonomy to accept whatever is coming her way. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, it's just really interesting because when you do to others what, what they would do to you, then you look crazy, but it's like, ah, but I'm a mirror of you. So what does that say? You know, and again, I'm saying that because I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. So um, not a judgment, just an observation. And that's the thing, if we can get out of that space of judging ourselves for the experiences that we're having and just be in innocent observance of what our thoughts are and how we behave based on the thoughts that we choose to identify with, then we wouldn't be so guilt-ridden about the decisions that we're making. We'll just be like, okay, I made that decision and it was based on this. And again, this takes great emotional intelligence to be able to decipher and actually put into action very quickly because everything that I'm saying as far as how you how you delve into your mind and deal with your mind's process it's like really quick a quick process but again if you don't have the emotional intelligence and the practice in doing that it's not gonna look easy or be easy you're gonna be like shit I'd rather stay in this jealousy shit it's easier like <laughs> and I understand that's what I'm comfortable with I've been here I've been right. I'm alive so, right. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I want to address uh, the comments real quick. Dom's in the comments. He's saying, um, he was saying that if there's no boundaries to relationship, does the relationship even exist? And one who belongs to anyone will belong, will die alone. I don't think we were trying to say there's no boundaries, there's no rules. Or yeah, anything. no. Just, 
I think that you weren't really hearing us correctly because there was nowhere in the conversation where we ever said that boundaries didn't exist. As a matter of fact, earlier in the conversation, I definitely said that you have to know your boundaries and that you have to express those boundaries when you do get into relationship because that's important. There is no relationship on the face of this earth where boundaries do not exist. And in relationships where boundaries do not exist, they are toxic. One person is compromising and not showing up for themselves fully and truly in the relationship where there are no boundaries. So um, yes, a relationship can exist if there are no boundaries and that relationship is not going to be a healthy relationship because one person is, is going to be essentially losing out or not receiving what they need or want in a relationship if there are no boundaries. So there's this misconception when we talk about openness and open love that um that uh there no there are no boundaries that exist and that's not true just because you're you're allowing love to flow freely between you and multiple people which is how god intended love to be anyway which is how you experience love anyway outside of your romantic relationships but inside of romantic relationships you feel that it's special and love should only flow one way but that's okay if you believe that and also um love is is supposed to flow freely between people, but just because love is supposed to move that way and that's a universal principle does not mean that when you are living within the dynamic or the vehicle of relationships that there aren't boundaries. I mean, a vehicle in itself has boundaries. It has doors, it has windows, you know, it has seat belts. So why would you think that the form of relationship wouldn't have boundaries? Love has no boundaries. Love is a mindset and it's a principle. But form, anything you can see, touch, taste, experience with your physical body and physical senses in this world, form can be whatever you want it to be. A cup can carry alcohol or a cup can carry medicine or it can carry water. But the cup, the cup doesn't matter. It's the contents inside. So you need boundaries. Shit, the cup is a boundary in itself. (laughs) So don't get it twisted and think that because someone's non-monogamous that it's a free-for-all. No, it's not. Because that relationship still needs boundaries in order to operate, all right? I really want y'all to get that through your heads. Y'all always default to that. Oh, well, ain't no boundaries. So you just belong to anybody. You're like, nah, we we never said that. I love that. He's perfectly well said, like perfectly put. I haven't got to add nothing on to that at all. Dang, dude. I love and appreciate you so much. I cannot believe, like I said, we've been able to do this. I appreciate you taking the time out to do just join us in the first place. I wish Will could have got in on this because I know he would be going crazy right now. Oh, um, man. Next time. We just got to have a next time. That's all. We got to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we usually at this point have like a thirst of the week part of the show where we just celebrate the black woman out here doing her thing. Ooh, thirst. Yeah, exactly. You already, you already know I like do. thirst. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll have one in mind, but because you're here, I want to go ahead and put you as the thirst of the week. If you have anything going on in particular that you want to shout out, that you want to promote, please <sighs> go right here now. Yes, I do. I always have things going on. So um, first things first, my client book is open. So if you are someone that has listened to the conversation today and you think that working with me could enhance your life or expand your life, You can uh, set up a complimentary discovery call with me to see if we will be a good fit to work together. And so if you go on my Instagram and click the link in my bio, you click the button, schedule a discovery call. You can do that with me. Also, if you go to 
calendly.com slash pleasure coach Tayomi. You can uh, book as well, but the easiest way will be to go to my Instagram at real glamazon Tayomi, click the link in my bio and click schedule a discovery call. I also train women on how to stroke better in sex. So riding dick and taking the dick, even if you're not in the dominant position. Yes. The cowgirl workout. We work out Wednesday through Saturday, and I also host master classes. And um, soon the cowgirlworkout.com will be launched. It will be an interactive social media community for my cowgirls and the ladies out there who are dedicated to their sensual health and uh, enhancing their lives through sensual fitness. So right now you can go to sensualfitnessbytie.com and buy a pass to access that workout. And I do, I do webinars bi-monthly this month. Um, I've already hosted an oral sex class for both men and women. And all of my classes are open to all genders right now. So I have two more classes this month. If you go to glamoroticajuly.eventbrite.com, you can access uh, what those webinars are. I have one on tomorrow night on taking sexy selfies and sexting. Since we are in COVID time and we don't know how this thing is moving, the U.S. is actually the country that has the most cases and I'm pretty sure we're gonna have a lockdown again soon. Um, you wanna know how to have sexy and fun digital sex sessions. So I'm teaching you how to do that this Friday. And uh, also I host other types of like virtual events. I have a virtual play party coming up. So for those of you who are actually into exploring your sexuality and you've ever wondered what it's like to go to a sex party, um, we are hosting a virtual play party August 19th and the Eventbrite page and all of that will be up for that soon. Um, but just please follow me on Instagram at realglamazontayomi. Follow me on Twitter at glamazontayomi. Follow my blog, glamorotica101.com. Hit subscribe on my YouTube channel, Glamorotica 101. I put updates on practically all of my social media whatever I have going on, you can find out there, but come and join the community, man. Like I'm also the plug because I have access to pretty much anybody in the sexual health space that even if my voice and how I speak about sexuality doesn't resonate with you, I can connect you with somebody else who does. Um, but I'm all about you living your best life, man. And I'm all about that because I'm living mine. And I've been through the darkness and I still go through those dark moments where I have to face the bullshit in myself and I'm unafraid to walk in darkness. I'm unafraid to walk with demons and to make them my friends. And so if you do decide to walk with me, just know that you are dealing with somebody who does shadow work consistently, facing the dark parts of herself. And so when it comes to working with you, Please do not think that there is anything that I have not seen or anything that I cannot handle because it is God working through me that's going to work with you. So reach out. Don't be afraid. I got you. Got and, you. and yeah, thank you for having me on here. This was a great conversation. Make sure you send me this video so I can send it where I need to send it. <laughs> I have you. I wish we could do it for three more hours. You got that. No. For real. Thank you so much for this. I felt like this conversation was more affirming more than anything because I go through that thing where I like I discover something and I'm trying to you know tell my friends about it but like I don't fully have it together yet 
So I'm still trying to articulate it. We're trying to educate people. But also, mm-hmm. like, people don't, you know, it's hard to shift people sometimes. Or it's, just hard, it's hard to turn them on to new ideas sometimes. So like, you get the adverse reactions of, like, nah. Like you said, like, nah. <laughs> so it just feels good to hear somebody say what well, I've been believing and feeling for so long now. So thank you so much again. I can't believe, um, thank you enough. Did you have any final thoughts you want to impart on anybody? Or? I just want to say, you know, the way is simple, but it's not easy. All right. I just like, we talk about these things so freely and with like a nonchalant air, like, oh yeah, you know, it's just easy to do. Right. But the reason why we can speak like that is because we practice. And I want you to understand that nothing in your life is integrated unless you practice. So if you're not willing to do the work, that is okay. You can stay exactly where you are. And if you truly do desire to live the life that God intended for you to, then you must put your, your, your words and your ideas where your, where your mouth is and you need to work. Faith without works is dead. Doesn't, doesn't matter if you believe in this stuff. If you don't put the work behind it to show what your faith really, where your faith really lies, it's not going to matter. So for all you spiritual people out there, y'all know that word, faith without works is dead. You've got to do the work. If you truly want to live your best life, the life that God intended for you to live here, you've got to be willing to put in that work, especially when you're going through the mud and the darkness. And when you are going through it and you feel like, damn, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. Guess what you need to do? Ask for help. The Holy Spirit is your grand intercessor. If you call on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will show up for you instantly. And that help will come to you. Just be open. Be open to how God wants to bless you and assist you along on the journey if you choose to go down this path. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you're going to be better for it. And you're going to look back and be like, damn. I came from that. <laughs> so, that's, what, that's what I talk about all the time. When you can look back on the things that, that just tore you apart, where you can uh, talk about them and laugh about them, and you can just take them freely and be like, girl, let me tell you about this crazy shit I used to do. I used to throw uh, my man out the window. <laughs> like, you bruh, know? bruh, like, bruh. That's all I'm going to say is bruh. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much again. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you. Please come back very, very soon. Oh yeah, we gotta come back with your boy on and you know, free your yeah. bronchitis and all that. Like yeah, we gonna thank you. Like I said, simple as the will. Tell him to take care of himself. Take care stop of yourself, bro. I'm gonna need yeah. you to stop acting like you Superman out here. The kryptonite is your bronchitis. I'm gonna need exactly. you to take care of that junk, man. Take your, your lungs right now. <laughs> exactly. Like take care of yourself, especially during this COVID time. We don't need you getting taken out of here by the Rona or anything associated with it. Like we need you to still be here. Okay. Let the people who are trained to take care of you to take care of you. All right. Yes. Unless you got a witch doctor as a grandmother, you know, you might. They might be you do, go ahead and get the remedy, son. But if not, <laughs> then I'm going to need you to chill and let these we Western no doctors more. take care of you. <laughs> we don't need no more bad news is what I tell people. I don't need it. We got enough. I can go on Facebook every day and let it tell me how I'm depressed and going to die as a black guy. I'm going to get shot in the street and that black women hate me and all this shit. Or man, I can I'm going to say, black man, I love y'all. All right. I, if nobody else 
tell y'all that I love y'all. Y'all need to hear that more often. Black women, I'm here for you. I'm your sister. I'm here to help empower you. Like, I feel like a unicorn out here because I'm a black woman that has had the love of her father her whole entire life and I still do. And he will love me even beyond the grave. He is one of my, one of my greatest soulmates, one of my best life partners. And my mother's in my life too. I have both my parents living, still married 33 years later. Like it's not so many black women that can say that, that they've had that as an example very healthy dynamics, you know what I mean? And sure they have their problems, but that's not my problem, you know? Um, but for the most part, healthy relationships. And so I'm in the work that I am in because I under, like, I have the capacity to be able to handle this stuff because I've come from a space that was healthy. So I'm just Absolutely. saying y'all come through. Allow, allow God to use me in your life to help mm-hmm. you and assist you in your healing because it's not by my own will, but it's through God that I do all things. Please don't ever think that I'm putting myself before my father's work. It's, yeah. not, it's not about me. So I love y'all black men, black women. I love y'all too. We love you too. We appreciate <laughs> you. If y'all want to see more um, exclusive content like this. Well, not this ain't exclusive content, but you want to see other exclusive content. You know, we got the Patreon popping. Um, we trying to, like I said, we trying to get up on Tayomi's level, you know what I mean? Out here doing tours <laughs> countrywide and everything. International, you know. I had I I I toured Nigeria. I toured um Lagos. Word. I, I toured Lagos in December of 2019. So yeah, you know. Get the get culturally cultivated ignorance <laughs> popping internationally so you could be hitting Jesus. all these continents. Please do. We trying to be like you. Thank you so much. Yeah, if y'all want to be a member, y'all know it's patreon.com slash cultivate ignorance for as little as five dollars. You can love on us. Um the way we love on y'all, y'all already been showing us mad love. I wanted to say that I was want to iterate how much I appreciate y'all the audience, but especially guests like Tayomi for just taking the time to just support this, you know, this podcast. Me and Will just started from humble beginnings. It literally started in the parking lot with us talking at the parties at three o'clock in the morning. We've been doing this for God, I wish Will's in the comments. I, I don't know how many years you've been doing this now, but we just started steadily making it. And thank you so much, Tayomi, for just supporting us. You're Love welcome. You. Love you, you so too. Absolutely. Let's see y'all two weeks now. Peace out.